Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. What is up, everyone? Welcome to another edition of the Morning Grind, and we got a special edition today. No, I'm not Stevie, but you know what? I'm a little bit more prepared for Stevie for this one. We have Mike Fierstein from DFS Accounting to answer all the questions we can get through in however many time, whatever we can get through about your DFS accounting, your Rainmakers accounting, your gambling accounting, maybe get into crypto, NFTs, who knows? Uh, I know a lot of you guys are into that, but we're, we're going to figure it out as we go. But, yeah, got Mike Fierstein from hey. DFS Accounting. How are you doing over there, buddy? I'm doing all right. I'm hanging in there right now. As, uh, it's, as you probably know, that it's, it's a hectic time. Busy season is on the way. We only got 20 days left to file, uh, twenty a little over 20 days. So if you guys, anybody out there, if you haven't filed your taxes, I suggest you do that um, before the deadline fast approaches. Yeah, yeah. No, I still haven't, and I'm – Having Uh-oh. a kid the day before tax day, so I probably should get on yeah. filing extension. I yeah. almost certainly am going to file extension this year. Yeah. Uh oh. All right. All right. Sounds good. Yeah, but I mean, I I I can knock out an extension in thirty minutes because yeah, way are, too yeah. much. Yeah, way too much experience good. in that. But yeah, let's just let's just go ahead and get sure. right into this. So I know that like obviously legalized sports gambling in some states has only been available a few months, mm-hmm. some only a few years, but it hasn't been around that long and there's been lots of regulation lots of different changes and how it's reported over the years especially with the online gambling legalization x so how do you report gambling winnings right ultimately you know long story short i mean point blank if you guys are just going to be you know playing recreationally right um and you're on a couple sports books and you want some money you're going to be reporting it on uh the schedule called Schedule 1, okay? Schedule 1, other income. That's where majority of the recreational gamblers out there that would be reporting. And then if you have losses, right, maybe one sports book has a loss, the other one has, you got winnings, you would report your losses as an itemized deduction on your Schedule A, okay? So this will be propped in your itemized deduction, similar to mortgage interest, similar to real estate taxes. If you, you know, if you own a home, um, you'll total all those up and hopefully you're above the standard deduction. Uh, but you only can deduct losses to the extent of your winnings. So that's the first part about reporting gambling winnings. 
Okay. All right. So yeah, obviously report the income and then report the losses. But that can get a little tough sometimes. Sometimes you are using the standard deduction. Sometimes right. you're itemizing deductions. It's different from person to person, your income level, all that stuff. So sessions, like and I know there's regulations on what sessions are, because obviously gambling throughout the course of the year, you have different sessions. Can you right. explain to me how exactly those work for recording your gambling winnings? Right. I don't know if I've even used those that much because this is my full-time job. Like this is my full income. Mm -hmm. So I'm a whole different scheduling file, but the average gambler who's just doing this for fun, throwing down a couple of bets may right. win a 10 leg parlay and have something to yep. support. How do the sessions work? Right. Exactly. And, and the sessions is going to there. That's the idea and the concept that's going to get everyone confused, right? This is the gray area. This, these are the rules that were established, you know, 10, 20 years ago when people were actually physically going to casinos, physically going to race tra racetracks and placing their bets. Right. And they're walking away from the slips and you're sitting at a back rack table, right. Or a slots, you know, there is a defined moment where you're having an extension of wealth or descension of wealth. Hopefully you're ascending and you're making money. And that after, you know, a period of three, four, five, heck, maybe even 12 hours stint, you are done, you cash out, and there is a defined period in which you created a session. And what the IRS said is, is that during that session, during that time, you could net your wins and loss together. So if you're betting, you know, a thousand times during that, you know, a thousand blackjack hands, you don't need to, you don't need to report each and every one of them. You get to net that together. Whatever happens, whatever occurs, um, you either put it in a, your win column or your loss column. Okay. And what the IRS has stated is that you then accumulate your sessions over time, over the period of a year, right? And um, you total up all your wins your winning sessions and then all your lost sessions and that is how you report your gambling winnings that we just talked about in the first question here but here's the thing all right we're not going to a casino placing bets okay we are placing bets on our phone you know and we're placing bets continuously every single day and um well some of some of us are right and what happens is the the lines the idea of session those lines get blurred right when does the session start when does the session end and it's that's where um the idea and how you report your gambling gets kind of um ambiguous to say yeah so what is from what you've seen or is it really not defined at all like what is a typical session that you see obviously the longer the session the better like if you have a session, if the session is a full year, correct, it's really simple. Like you just report right. your overall winnings and it's already in there, deducted our mm -hmm. own losses. Mm -hmm. So what is a typical session that you kind of look at or is it very individual to individual? It is very individual to individual, right? Because we all have our own, we all have our own betting schemes, right? Some are, are betters, arbitrage betters, some, you know play the prop bets, things of that nature. Some, some individuals only bet specific, um, specific uh, sports, right? If you're an NFL better and you know that it's very clearly defined games on Thursday, sometimes Saturday, Sunday, Monday. And, um, you know, it's really tough to say, Hey, I'm betting every single day when really you're only betting two or three times a week. So really what happens is, and what we like to do is we like to talk to the individual or talk to the client and say, all right, listen, let's take a look at how you are betting. 
right? If you're telling me you are betting continuously every day, if you're telling me that you are betting across multiple sports books, you really can't define how much you've won that day because you're using those proceeds that you won that day to then calculate and and, and determine your bankroll and, and, and determine, you know, the, the level of your bets and things of that nature in your units for the next day, then you're continuously having this ascension to wealth. And that's where we come in and we try and figure out um, if you're an annual session or if you're a monthly session, right? Or maybe there was a time where you went from January to February and you're betting every single day, but you stopped for whatever reason, you know, it has, you have to, you know, you have to look at the rules and say, hey, if I stop for, if I have a clear defined session from January, February, that's going to be one. And then, and so forth, if I start up back in August. So it really depends on the individual, their playing style and their volume. All right. Yeah, something, something to look into, something I'm sure you guys can talk about with them. Mm-hmm. Let's move on to, a lot of people assume daily fantasy sports is gambling income. Yeah. I've had this discussion with so many people, including mm-hmm. a lot of accountants who are like, DFS is mm-hmm. not considered gambling legally. Mm-hmm. It's why there was giant cases in New York and Vegas. Like from a federal standpoint, it is not considering considered gambling income. Mm-hmm. It's considered mm-hmm. a game of skill. So exactly. how is it considered by the IRS as income? Is it gambling? Is it regular? Like how is this supposed to be treated? Right, right. And I agree. It is a game of skill and, and not luck. And what happens is this, right? There's two battles here, right? You have the operator battles that are trying to become legal in states and say, hey, we're not gambling, right? This is a prize pool. People are putting in their money in. They're, 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 and there's analytics involved. There's statistics involved that people are then in, our, in um, game theory, things of that nature. But here's the thing, that's them. Now we have to worry about us. And us, the problem is the IRS had um, had recently um, requested uh, support and analysis from in regards to a private letter ruling, okay? And this happened in 2020. And what happens is this, these letters, these reports that are, 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 are prepared by IRS agents, things of that nature, they, they basically just, Put a position they put a position out there in the ether and, and tell people like hey we've identified dfs and we we analyzed it and based on you know our rules and regulations we deemed it that it's considered gambling income okay but here's the crux of the situation it's not rule it's not irs law but it is something where the irs and the irs agent can hang their hat on and say hey we have this document right here it clearly states that it's gambling so what do you do as a tax preparer, right? Well, what we'd say is that you've got to, you know, unfortunately, this is out there and there is a position, even though it's not law, that DFS is gambling, then we, in a conservative stance, say, yes, we have to consider DFS as gambling um, and then follow those rules. All right. All right. So, yes, they follow those rules. It potentially goes back to the whole sessions thing. And then exactly. What do you consider a session? Some players only play baseball some players a lot of people only play football some people only play basketball so something to consider when you're now, looking into that now another thing too in regards to session threat and another unique situation is that the dfs operators are going to be throwing out and sending you guys a 1099 miscellaneous so the operators are automatically going to put it on as an annual session okay you're going to get the net result if you've won that year on that 1099 miscellaneous now, what it allows you to do is 
because we're considering gambling, or at least our position, right? There are a lot of accountants out there. Everyone reads the rules a different way, but our position is that we're going to be um, advising people that it's gambling, then you can't offset losses um, you know, against that gambling. Now, if you're a recreational gambler, like I said earlier, it's got to be on your itemized deduction schedule A. Yeah, and so you brought up 1099 MISCs. I remember back when, before sports gambling came around, I was strictly a DFS player. Right. I was I was playing on 14 different sites. At the end of the nice. year, like I'd be expecting anywhere from 8 to 15 different 1099s, depending <laughs> on how I did during that year. Um, but gambling, it's obviously very, very different. Like I have not received right. many W2Gs, in terms of gambling, because there are certain thresholds you have to, you can make exactly. a bunch of money mm-hmm. and not get a 10 or W2G. So it likes to be something people are like, oh, I don't have to report anything. I never got right. any tax forms for it. Or someone hits a massive parlay, exactly. they get a W2G for 120 mm-hmm. grand. And you're like, I've, I've made like 10 grand. I lost a lot of other parlays getting towards mm-hmm. that one. But mm-hmm. this one specifically happened to, uh, fit the criteria. So what is the criteria for W2G and how is it different than a 1099 MISC right. or a 1099K? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so, um, you know, the documents have their own unique rules and what gets reported on. And I personally hate the W2G um, and I really dislike the 1099K. And we'll get into that in a little bit. The reason why is that, well, the backtrack here, how does a W2G get reported, right? Well, there, there's these things are these ideas called reportable transactions. Okay. So there are certain thresholds or certain actions that have to occur that the IRS outlaid um, for a W2G to be reported. The biggest one for sports, uh, sports betting, what I've, what I've, um, you know, what I've heard from sports books is that they're going to throw out, they're going to send out a W2G on a specific wager and income. If it's 300 to one odds and over $600. Okay. And like we were talking, right. That barely, that barely happens in the sports betting world, unless you have a 15 or 16 leg parlay, or I saw the other day there was an exact hit on the final four for men's March madness. And that was, you know, that those odds were incredible. So you're really not going to get a W2G. Okay. Now, if you do get a W2G, this is why I don't like it because that W2G only represents one instance in which your wager became a reportable transaction, right? It doesn't, it doesn't tell you what happens throughout the whole year, right? A 1099 miscellaneous, it's an annual session. So you're going to get the net result, okay? Hey, this is my net result. Boom, very easy. I'm going to put on my, my tax return. But a W2G, you know, you could get a W2G on a 15, 16 leg parlay hit of $50,000, but you could have finished up $50,000 in the hole, right? Because you were placing side bets and things of that nature and it really didn't go through. So, um, the W2G, you guys will rarely get that uh, in the sports betting world. Yeah. I mean, I, like I said, I, I've gotten it twice. I got it when I had a jackpot on a slot machine in Vegas, Yeah, which like it was $1,400. It wasn't even that much money, but it was like mm-hmm. a $5, $2, $1 bet, whatever it was right. for the slot machine. So mm-hmm. they, I get my information, then I get mm-hmm. my money. The other one was DraftKings World. Sports betting national championship. Okay. I cleared 250k off of nice. 10 grand, so it yeah is the threshold. And yeah, exactly. Like very nice. 
Yeah. yeah, there are other reportable transactions, right, that are specifically for slots, right? If you hit a if you hit a jackpot that's above twelve hundred dollars, you're going to get a W two G, right? I just didn't include those reportable because it's not applicable to yeah. the sports betting um, world. Yeah, no. If I hit my thousand to one Oklahoma City to win the finals, right? Even though I put a twenty dollar bet and I will make two twenty grand off of it. Like it'll be a reportable transaction, but mm-hmm. do I have to report a full 20 grand on that site? Maybe more, maybe less, depending on what the rest of my bets did mm-hmm. and what the sessions are. So it's right. very different. Um, so knowing all this, like knowing, obviously you don't want to just automatically report the W2G, uh, you need to figure out your sessions. What are the, what are the ways you've seen, give me some examples and what they can do to reduce the income and maximize sessions and, like what they can potentially do at, if they are a professional gambler like mm-hmm. me and not just a casual gambler who this is rarely going to apply to that much. Right, exactly. And that's the other world. And that's the other side of this, right, is becoming a professional gambler and what goes about this. So obviously a lot more, some people have an edge and a lot more taxpayers are going to be saying, hey, I, you know, I could do this full time or they invest, you know, 30, 40 hours a week and a material amount of money to gamble. So if you, you know, if you have um, the factors in that and then you can establish that you're a professional gambler, then we would put you um, on a form. You would be reported on a form called the Schedule C. OK, and the Schedule C is a form that you put you that's on your 1040 tax return. And that form is for multiple businesses, right? It could be any contracted work. That's where it houses business. And what you can do is you could directly offset your losses um, with your income, right? Whereas if you're a recreational gambler, you have your income on one side, right? It's an above the line item and it's income. And then you put your losses on another side of your tax return as an itemized deduction. And you talked about the standard deduction right now. The floor is really high. A lot of times people won't even use those losses, right? But if you're a professional gambler, you put to put it right here, right on the schedule C and you have your wins and your losses. Now here and in addition, you can also you could offset your income on use applicable business expenses, right? Telecommunications, if you're traveling, right, to a live final, things of that nature, meals, right? Um, and in a home office, if you you know, if you you have set something up and com- computers, things of that nature, you could you could offset your income with those deductions. But you cannot you cannot go below zero. You cannot report a loss. So even on the professional gambler side, you will just break even. And that is the rules for the IRS. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Yeah, and I don't think I don't think there's carryovers to the next year. Let's say you had yeah. win 2020. Lost 2021, win in 2021. You can't deduct your losses. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you can. And I feel bad. I've, I've gotten that. I've gotten that question. I'm like, listen, there's really nothing that you can do because the rules set forth are you can't go below zero. 
and you can't have what's called an NOL to carry forward. So yeah, it sucks. It's tough. It's tough to hear that. Yeah, I mean, I luckily enough haven't had to deal with that oh, at all. Good, <laughs> but I mean, I've come close in a year, but yeah, ended up ended up being up a small amount. Um, right, but yeah, right. it, it's it's always interesting, kind of planning for that later on in the year. Be like, all right. I'm mm. close to even. Do I want to continue with my same volume or cut it down, knowing that right. I could potentially be at a net operating loss and those mm-hmm. tax advantages mm-hmm. are kind of going to be gone? And mm-hmm. like, let's say, let's say you're a professional gambler, you're up three k or two k in December. Mm-hmm. Like, this has been a bad year for you. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe you think you need a new computer. Maybe you need a nice new computer to help you do right. programs and everything. Could potentially be a spot where, all right, maybe I should wait until January of the next year to buy it, knowing that it'll be under that taxable year. And I'm likely, this was an aberration of a year, I'm likely to be up a lot of money. So a lot of expenses you can put into the next year by deferring buying those items and taking those tax breaks until the next year. Yeah, yeah, no, it's definitely a, um, it, yeah, it's definitely a unique idea, right? To 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 say, hey, listen, I'm going to defer purchasing things because, right, you know, it just was a tough year, and if I spend five thousand dollars, I'm only going to be able to deduct three thousand, right? If you had two thousand net winnings, so um, ultimately, what I tell people is just to, to have good record keeping. I mean, if you're doing this much volume, and if you're into this, and you, you are a professional gambler, then you should have some really intricate um, Excel spreadsheets that uh, are keeping track of your bankroll and how you're doing and, and your, what your hit percentage is and things of that nature because you're going to be cons- constantly analyzing your bets, your unit play, uh, you name it. So that all that information should be there and you are a business owner, right? You you have to make those decisions and that that will be beneficial to you. Um, and so, yeah, that was, that's a good idea. All right. And then uh, let's, anything else you like? I know we vaguely went over rainmakers. It's something we can get into because I know that's a very complicated with NFTs and stuff like that. Yeah, that's another fun thing that came out. Um, yeah, so go ahead, go ahead and tell us a little bit about like crypto and NFTs in this space, and maybe anything else you want to say in other spaces. Because I mean, I've just I've lost a lot of money on NFTs and crypto. Yeah, um, yeah, oh yeah. Well, not right. a lot of money, but I, I I've not done well with those, so I just kind of stay away from them for right now. Um, but I yeah, know a lot good. of people listening to this are heavily involved in that. And a lot yeah. of people are probably in rainmakers. Right, exactly. And we've, we've definitely have a couple of clients that have been that, that, that did rainmakers and it's just, it's a unique, it's a unique situation, right? Because you're taking two concepts, two ideas, right? You're, you're, you're purchasing, you know, NFTs and player cards in which then you could utilize and 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 go into um, prize pools and, and you could play DFS using those cards. And on top of that, you could trade those cards and there's a value to it, or there was a value at the beginning of the session. And what's happening is and some of the questions I'm getting is that, you know, after like five weeks, the value in the marketplace decreases and decreases and you spend $2,000, $10,000 on these NFTs and now the value in the marketplace is a thousand bucks. And what happens is this, there are two transactions at play, right? There's the DFS side of things in which you're playing with those cards. That income from those prize pools that you've won, that's going to be included in your 1099 miscellaneous from, you know, and from the operators. So, but the NFTs, you're actually holding on to an asset. And 
you go into this world where you're this collectible item near this capital, you know, similar to stock where you, there's a purchase date and there's a sell date. And when you sell it, and if you sell at a loss, that's the time where you get to recognize um, that, that, that loss right there. Um, it's just, it's, it's, it's very unique and there's a lot to go through. So if there's anyone that has any questions, I'd be more than happy to go through. It's just, you have to think of it as two things. You have NFTs right here that hold value, that is an asset. And then you have the DFS activities in which you've either won or lost from. Um, and then there's all the other things as well. So um, definitely interesting stuff. You know, there's always something new every year, right? Yep. No, I mean, I was an accountant for several years. My dad's an accountant. Yeah. A lot of my family members are accountants. So I, <laughs> you got I out. have constantly been involved in like figuring out the best things to do, the best tax planning mm-hmm. throughout the course of the year. And it's been, it's it's been nice having a accountant of 40 years in the family yeah. to help me through these things. That's right. Me a significant amount of money. No, so for I, sure. Yeah. So, I mean, if someone needs DFS accounting advice, uh, what, mm-hmm. what do you guys have to offer them? Like, or do you have a free consult? Right. What, yeah, what exactly. does DFS accounting offer? And just go give, give us a plug why it's important because I know why having an accountant is important. And for sure. I well, highly suggest it for anyone who's making even a moderate amount of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And what we've done is this. Everyone has their own unique situations, right? It's really tough to apply a standard thought process, right? It's, it's tough to throw out in these podcasts or in an article that you have to do annual sessions. You know, that's exactly what the IRS wants you to do because that's just not the case. Everyone is unique. Everyone's tax situation is unique and you have to understand that um, their situation. So what we do is we have a 30 minute um, free consultation just to get to know the individual, let them just talk about their tax situation and answer or ask any questions they may have. And um, we go from there. And then what we do is it's, it's very nonchalant, right? We don't do a hard sell. Um, we just really want to help out the community, right? I'm in the community. I did some arbing and I do some side, side plays, things of that nature. I used to do DFS, but I got my butt kicked, so I stopped. But then ultimately we're just trying to help because it's really this the area is really great and the irs takes their sweet time updating their rules for things that are moving at the speed of light right all of a sudden rainmakers comes on and really there, there are no tax rules that are associated with this type of activity so we have to bob and weave um and we're here to help out and uh and hopefully put you guys at ease yeah, and then how do you how would they contact dfs accounting yeah, that's a good question. Forgot about that. You can contact <laughs> us at info at dfsaccounting.com. Info at dfsaccounting.com. And we'll promptly reply. I mean, we're in tax season mode right now. So we're going to try our best within 24 hours, but it might take one or two days. But um, we will uh, we'll be looking forward to talking with you. Yeah, well, Mike, thanks for joining me. Really no appreciate thanks for having Lots of good info. Um, All right. That should do it. Good luck on tax season and thank you. Reach out to DFS accounting, guys. We're out. All right. Have a good day. Later, kids.